actually, I was just like, just mesmerized by, by the Lord during worship, and I was like, man, Lord, are you, am I, am I going to speak what you, you put on my heart earlier, or are we going to go with something different, and, um, and he started to put a lot of stuff on my heart about worship, so I'm going to actually save that, because in a couple, a few weeks, we're going to start a series on our core values here, and one of those core values is simply worship, and uh, so I can't wait, so I was like, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll save that stuff, um, but today, we're really going to talk about uh, ecclesia and the river, Okay, and uh, really excited, that just as I begin to lean into the Lord this morning, confirm a lot of things, and, and just do um, a lot of additions to what he had put on my heart earlier, um, I, I feel like this is a continuation, and let me, let me preface this, I believe the Lord is doing something here on the altar and at the table, it's, it's language that we use often, over the last couple of years, we've talked about the altar, We've talked about the incense that we, that we place on the altar, the worship that we do, the ministry unto the Lord. I'll, I'll be honest, that's my favorite ministry, unto the Lord. The next ministry for me is my marriage and my home. That's, that's my next ministry. After that would be obviously things like this, like the church. This is the overflow of my life. But, but this is a vehicle. This is a platform. It's a vehicle. And sometimes vehicles change. But what matters is what's in the vehicle. And, and I'll just be honest, he may change your occupation, he may even change friendships, but, but you're still you, right? So this is the thing, like, like there might be seasons where, where I like what um, somebody said, I didn't retire, I refired. Because the Lord changes the vehicle, so that's, that's what he puts in you. So no matter what, we have this ministry unto the Lord. And my ministry and my home will change. Eventually, my, my kids are going to grow. We went down and ate near UD this weekend, and, and we saw all the parents, like, dropping off kids. And Nicole's like, this just makes me sad to think about it, you know? So there's going to be a day coming where our kids will either go to college, get married, or something. I know Matt just experienced that with his last child. Like, like there's this, this nest, right? We're raising up these birds, and eventually they need to fly. And, and that's the thing. So our ministry changes, but that's the vehicle. But the Lord is doing something on this on the altar, but he's doing something at the table, and he's gathering us together. He's gathering us around the table. The showbread was actually a place of his presence. If you go all the way back to the tabernacle, so the Lord's doing something, and, and I, as I begin to kind of like look back at what we had been preaching the last three to four to six months, it's like this, these, series is, these series that have, in my opinion, kind of led up to this moment. And I, I started to just kind of recap. So we started like... Spring, summer, like life is in the blood, power is in the spirit. We talked about the day of Pentecost, and we talked about, about that in June, right? And, we, we, and, and today is kind of a follow-up of that, because I believe the transformation is in the ecclesia. So as we go on, last week was, was the transformation, the gospel that transforms, right? And I'm here to propose that it's the ecclesia that transforms also. The gospel transforms in us so that we can transform others outside of here, Right? And bring, bring transformation, Jesus, to, to spheres of influence and industry and, and, and sectors of, of, of life, right? Business and private sectors. It's this thing. So, so then we get into a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, the spark, right? I, I think the actual title of the message is one more spark or something like that. And it was talking about in Timothy where he says, fan in the flame, the gift that's inside of you. And then that followed up with a verse in verse 7, it says, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and wisdom, or a sound mind. So, so there's these things. And, and today, I just I want to continue on that path of, like, if I could continue on all of those series into this thing, talking about the ecclesia and the river, that we're, we're to flow. We're, we're to be the church. We're to, and I'm going to get into this, and we're going to go through a timeline and acts and see what happened after the day of Pentecost. Because let me just say, we, we weren't here for just an event or a day or an encounter, right? It's, it's not for us. This is not just for us. Like, the Lord is not just for us. 
Like, I, I don't live a life here just for a heaven ticket and get God inside me, and then poof, I'm in heaven. That's, that's not the thing. The realm is heaven gets inside of me, so it can get out of me into others, into people and things around me. So that's, that's what a river is. So we, we want to get into this. And uh, so I just want to start in Acts 2. And I really want to focus on, on this ecclesia. I know Corey, I think, spoke on it maybe a year or so ago and, and talked about in the, the translation and what ecclesia is. And it, it, it stuck with me enough that I at least remembered he preached on it. <laughs> now, now, don't judge me because you probably remember 1% of what I actually say up here. But the hope is that God gets something in you from it. You may not remember the words that are spoken or the message that was preached, but hopefully God puts something in you and a hunger to actually make you go deeper. That, that's the heart. The heart isn't that I, that I teach you everything and make you and, and force you how to think. The, the idea is that, that there is a hunger that is stirred up in here and we taste and see that he's good and we actually get in the gospel, that we actually get in the word, that we actually hunger for discipleship. So Acts 2 Let's go here. Now, now this is taking place in about 30 AD, okay? And, and it says, and I'm going to just start, after the day of Pentecost. This is, now, now the Holy Spirit came. There was fire and flames resting on their heads. A mighty wash, rushing wind comes in. Peter, Peter, like, drops this incredible message, right? And then all of a sudden it says 3,000 were added, and then we pick up right here. And, and I'll be honest, I know you hear this occasionally in here because it's, it's one of my favorite uh, verses that talk about the fruit of the true church. This is the fruit. When Jesus comes in, when presence comes in, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had this incredible service where the presence just like exploded in this place. And, and, but, but see, here's the thing. There will always be fruit from the presence. There will always be something tangible that transforms or something. Like for me, it's not just to lock it up in this box and to keep it in here or me to be selfish right it's this it, the G, the jesus that i know and the jesus inside me wants to get out of me also let, let me let me just move on here acts 2 42 through 47 and they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and to fellowship everybody say teaching, teaching. and fellowship. fellowship we're going to get into that a little bit more talking about the banks of the river because there are ministries here where you can get teaching. Steve Justice leads, leads a couple things. First off, there's Oasis Bible Study on Wednesday nights. Like there is teachings of the word, right? There is Thrive, this ministry of discipleship. There's small groups. There's all these things to get connected in. Because I believe that, like I don't want to mistake that we're saying just to go out. We have to get it in because what comes in needs to get out. And I can't give something I don't have. Freely I receive, freely I give. But I can't give something I don't have. If I'm depleted, I have nothing to give. So we get the word, we get discipleship, we get these things in us so that he can come out of us. So to teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer, to communion, to fellowship with one another, to hanging out, that's also discipleship. The, the discipleship isn't just a Bible study. Discipleship also isn't just hanging out at a coffee shop and, and talking about the Lord. It's, it's not either or also, it's, it's and both. So you had communion, you had fellowship, and you had prayer. And prayer is so connected to worship, and communion is so connected to worship. It's all this embodiment of, of, of coming together, getting close with each other and close with the Lord. It says, and all came upon them. This is what's happened. These were the banks of the river to where there was, they devoted themselves to the teachings, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. And it says, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as those who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes or house to house. So they met in the church. They also met outside of the church. And it said they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the fruit of the presence. This was the fruit of the day of Pentecost. This was the fruit of the Holy Spirit being poured out in in a total radical way, right? And then what happened was, now it's like, okay, church, all right, people, now what are you gonna do? So so now let's move to Acts 5. Now this was actually within the same year-ish. This is not far from this, 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 this chapter, but we go to Acts 5, 12 through 16. This is a little later on. It's not in that moment, but it's still within a relative close period of time. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. The people in the community didn't join yet, but they admired what was going on. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds. Now, now let me, let me get this picture. They went from the church or this, this realm of what was happening from the day of Pentecost, okay? We fast forward time. They are integrating into the community. They have integrated into the community. They have, they have went back to their, some of their jobs, like tent, being tent makers and all these things, right? And they went, and now here's what's happening. It says, crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. I want to fast forward now. Now we go to the church of Ephesus in Acts 19, about 24 years later, okay? And here, it says, then Paul... If you got your Bibles, I'll give you a second. Acts 19, 8 through 12. 24 years later, and I feel this is fitting because it wasn't, now we're, we're a couple decades later. While you look that up, I'll hydrate. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. I want to let you know how important it is for us to have a focus of a corporate gathering and a family reunion in the church on Sundays. But I also want to put an emphasis that it is not just the only way to do church. It doesn't stop here. Okay, every one of these instances, it says they were meeting in the church, then they went out. They were meeting in the church, they met house to house. They were meeting in the church, they were meeting in the streets. Okay, if you look at Jesus's miracles, 50%, as you look through the Bible and research on this, 50% were in a temple or a tabernacle, 50% were outside. How selfish would it be for us to come in and feel really good on Sunday and do nothing with it throughout the week? But some, verse 9, but some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. 
This went on for the next two years. Now, now here's where we get. For two years now, he goes outside the synagogue and he preaches and he teaches. And it says this, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When hand, handkerchiefs of aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their disease and evil spirits were expelled. Now, this is a big deal. Let me tell you why this is a big deal. It says all the people in the area heard, right? That's a million people in this area. Paul reached in two years a million people. He didn't just say, okay, that was great, fantastic. Oh, Holy Spirit with flames of fire on my head. Take me now, Lord. No, the point was to get it in so that he could get it out. Listen, let me just tell you this. You're the key. You are the spark. Like I said a few weeks ago, you're the spark to get this into people around you. The word gets in you, the word wants to get out. Jesus gets in you, Jesus wants to get out. Holy Spirit's power gets in you, Holy Spirit's power wants to get out. His love gets in you, his love wants to get out. How do they know that you're my disciples? By the love you show, want to know. It's word and deed, right? This is a big deal. This is more than just the, a move of spirit. This is more than just a, a Sunday event. This is more than just a day of Pentecost. This is more than, than, a, than, a, than a nice little conference. This is a lifestyle where, where we, we continually become more like Christ, where we continually get filled up. We continually have these moments and these powerful encounters, and, and we steward what the Lord's doing here, right? But it's not just for us. As you can see, over the course of, of the, the first established church in the New Testament, roughly, like at least with Holy Spirit, we see over a course of 24 years, it wasn't just in the synagogue or the tabernacle. It was in the streets. It was in homes. It was in businesses. And it wasn't just, just good words. It was confirmed with signs and wonders and radical moves of Holy Spirit. Let, let, me, let me move on here. Matthew 16, 18 through 19 says this. This is the exchange, Jesus and Peter, right? And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're going somewhere here, folks. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, man. On this rock, Peter, we're going to build our ecclesia. It's not just church. Now, now let me just, let me give you some history here, okay? The Greek translation of this is church. On this, on this rock, we're going to build our ecclesia, he says, and the translation is church. So we now read it. On this rock, we're going to build the church. But what we mean is not a building. What we mean is not a structure. What we mean is not, not this, this facility that we come to once or twice or three times a week, and we get all done up for Jesus and we give him our offering and our worship in this place no it's the people because we can give him worship wherever we are I'll be honest I get probably the most messed up on my way to work on times like Jesus but on this rock Jesus is the rock on this rock we're, we're going to build our ecclesia the church that's actually mobile the church that will gather and, and devote themselves to teachings and discipleship and, and fellowship and devote themselves to gathering together and doing communion and praying, right? That's, that's, that's the ecclesia. And then on this, the gates of hell, all of hell's plunder can't come against it. And let me just say this. Then you have the keys to the kingdom, Peter. Then you have the keys to the kingdom, ecclesia. That, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you're loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have the authority to bind and loose. 
But the keys of this kingdom, the keys, like this is like the secret, like, like passcode, right? Is the ecclesia. And it's the ecclesia that's built on Jesus. Let, let, me, let me move on here. Listen, I, I love youth camp. It's been impactful to me personally as a youth pastor when we were taking youth to see youth. My own daughters got absolutely wrecked this year at youth camp. I, I, I told Olivia this week, I said, I've been prayed for only a couple times with the power and the level of anointing that she released and prayed for me a few weeks ago. I've had a lot of hands laid on me. <laughs> I think people are just like, demons, go, <laughs> whatever. It's like I'm a magnet for the prophets and all these things, like, because I'm in process. But, but when Olivia laid hands on me, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. I felt an anointing from heaven. And, and I told her this. But, but let me just tell you this. I, <laughs> camp meetings are great. Worship conferences are awesome. Prophetic conferences are great. Sunday morning uh, corporate gatherings, celebrations, whatever we're going to call it, are awesome. Small groups, fantastic. They are oftentimes a cornerstone or, or, or really an essence or an embodiment of the church, right? And we have uh, tent revivals. We have Bible studies. We have all these things, right? They're awesome, and they're essential, but they often become lakes or swamps. Now, don't get offended yet, because there's life in a swamp. There's life in a lake, but you have to go to a lake to get the life, whereas a river carries the life with it. We were actually created to be rivers. We were created to actually flow. We were created, and, and if you look at the Bible and, the, and you go to the, the Re Revelation, you see the picture of heaven. You see the river that flows from the throne. Like, I'm not against swamps. Like, we, we often, like, go to hunt, and there'll be, like, bottom areas. We're like, oh, there's probably some swamp donkeys running around in there, meaning, like, big giant bucks. All right? I love, I love fishing. I love lakes. I love that. But a church and all these activities and all these things we do are essentially lakes or even wells or whatever you want to call it. It's a body of water that's here and present, but people have to come to visit it to actually get the life from it. Whereas a river and a stream, it takes it from a place. It takes it from the throne, and it flows, and it goes out into the other spaces. See, see, that's, that's the river. The ecclesia was never meant to be a swamp or, or a lake or, or even just a well. The swamp was meant to be a river. And, and I'm, I'm telling you to go beyond just saying, well, I'm a Christian who is a this or that. No, we're going to get to the Great Commission. You're not only encouraged, you're told that you will lay hands on the sick. You are told you will preach the gospel, that you will baptize people in his name, that you will, that you will spread this and transform lives in, in spheres of influence. You get to the end of your life. All right. Nicole, we had this conversation. She's like, should we be doing more at the church? We, we have a heart to start up a small group or do something. We, we, we miss that. But our kids are like involved in stuff and sports and, and just different things and youth and, and other areas. And uh, we're like, Wednesday's our only night of the week that's regularly untouched. It is the only night without activities. We're like, should we start up a group? And Nicole's like, I feel like there's this momentum. I feel like we should be doing something. Should we? But she's like, but I also feel like this tension in our home to love our kids and disciple our kids. And if we do that, it might take away from them. And I said, Nicole, if we die next week or, or whenever, 
at our funeral, do we want people saying, wow, they started up so many activities and programs at the church? Or do we want our kids to stand up and say, we were loved, we were put first? At the end of our life, I love the, the, the concept of Dash. I used to own a monument company. And I love the concept of the Dash. And there's a poem out there called The Dash. There's this, there's this, there's this thing, that beginning of our life to the end of our life. And that Dash is so symbolic of what it represents, of what happened in the middle there. And I want my Dash to be so powerful like an explanation point, right? And, and I actually don't care what title I hold on this earth or what money I have in a bank account or, or what I grew outside of the kingdom. I was telling one of the daughters this week, like, it's a platform. Like, I was talking about platforms and vehicles. I said, none of it matters. I was, Nicole and I were just talking last night. Like, like, all this stuff, this house, the car, it doesn't matter. I drive this hunk of junk truck because I don't care because it doesn't matter because it's not going to last an eternity anyway. But our dash in this moment of time to be a river to touch lives around us, that the Lord will give you a business or, or a license to sell real estate or a certification to treat sick people or whatever these things are in our, in our, in our, in our occupation is actually the bank of the river to flow and let life flow through us to get to others. And let me just say, it's not enough to have a reputation. Yeah, there are great business who happen to be Christians. No, like you have this influence, you have this platform and you have this vehicle that the Lord has given you to steward. When you steward little, much is given. And all of a sudden, you do good with that. More is given. More is given. More influence. Let, 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 me, let me move on here. Many of these things have become swamps. And many of our churches have become swamps. And I'm not saying that in like a derogatory term. People need the lake. Like we need to, there's recreation at a lake. There's fun. There's fish, right? We come to a lake. We get refreshed. I had a boat. Like it, we sold it to pay for our marriage, our wedding. And we said we'd upgrade one year. Two years ago, you guys got me an inflatable kayak. Thank you for the upgrade. <laughs> Had this Baja sports boat, right, uh, when I was 19, and we're like, we need to pay for our wedding, so I sold it. I was like, oh, we want a better boat anyway. I had an inflatable kayak. Thank you. But how do I know it's swamps, and it's, and it's held in here? Because our world is crashing out there. I'm not seeing the transformation that was once had. Listen, listen, the church used to be the social gathering of the week. The church used to be the event people would come to. They'd get their Sunday best on. They'd come. They'd, they'd gather together. That was their social interaction. That was their fuel. That was their discipleship. That, they didn't have access to the great sermons online. They didn't have online Bible apps to take you through the Bible in 30 days. They, they didn't have that thing. They didn't have social media to engage that way or, or these big events. If you think about it, the villages and these small communities back 100, 200 years ago, the event of the week was church. Of all the times that the ecclesia should be a river, it's now. We have to get out. Listen, folks, we have lost our influence. We have lost the impact. <laughs> The church used to be the driving force. The church used to be the influencer. The church used to be the, the, the sphere of influence in itself. It was the church. If you look, especially look at the Catholic church, any area we go to in the Caribbean or anywhere in Europe, the most sought-after place back then in real estate was the center of town. You look at the center of town, where is, what is it? It's a church. Most oftentimes a Catholic church because they knew it was the hub of life. Now, 
We have to put on fancy programs and marketing campaigns and all these things to try to pull people in. I actually don't think that's the heart of the Father to get people into church. I believe you are. I believe you're the river. I believe that you're the ecclesia to actually let your transformation lead others to transformation. Last week I said hurt people hurt people, but transform people transform people. Because the gospel, Jesus gets inside of us, and all of a sudden, like, I want what that guy's got. Is he high? No, I'm just jacked up on Jesus. All right, turn with me to Ezekiel. We're, we're wrapping things up here. Matt, you can come. Man, we were meant to flow. We were meant to flow. A car was meant to drive. I'm not going to lie. Like, like, if I ever get a fun car, it's not just going to sit in a garage and collect. I, I used to mow grass, all right, for folks, and had a, had a company, as I mentioned, a few weeks ago. And this one guy we mowed for, do you remember this, Matt? I don't know if you're with me this day, but he had a Porsche, um, some other fancy Italian car, something else in his garage. And, and he couldn't even start them. The batteries were dead. One of them he couldn't even get in because the battery's dead, so it locked down. Were you there that day? Like, he was trying to show us the cars, and they wouldn't even start. So he's got all these sweet cars that I would just dream of having, right? And, and he can't even get them to run because they've never been started. They're just sitting in a garage, literally collecting dust. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to have a fun car and invest that money, I am driving that thing. Sometimes I see a Lamborghini in Tip City dropping off a kid at the middle school in the winter. That's how I'd be. If I can afford to have that, I'm driving that. I'm like, what are you, part of me on that one, I was like, what are you doing? But that's the point. Shoes are made to walk. Chloe, she, she loves shoes. She's kind of got me liking shoes. And I'm like, I'm wanting a pair of Jordans now. And anyway, but my, my, my budget does not want the pair of Jordans, right? So I'm like, well, how much are the fake ones? You know, we're, we're going back and forth. Anyway, I keep these shoes in the box for, from Father's Day, the girls got me uh, custom, these custom made with the colors I like. And they surprised me. And, and <laughs> we went somewhere to a church recently, and like I told Nicole, I was like, I need my own suitcase. This isn't going to work. We're, we can't share a suitcase. So she was like, I was wondering why you wanted a suitcase. We opened up in the hotel room, and she's like, I had these shoes in the box in my suitcase. Because <laughs> I want to keep them nice. I want to keep the colors popping, you know? But I'm wearing them. So I'm trying to keep them nice, but, but that's the thing. Like, like, we are the river. We're meant to go. We were commanded to go. The Great Commission is go, make disciples. So, so let me read you this verse in, in Ezekiel. In my vision, the man brought me back to, to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing. Now you'll see this several times in the Word. You'll, you'll see this, Ezekiel 47, 1 through 9. You'll see this several times in the word. You'll see these, this imagery from the throne and the river flowing from the throne. Here, Revelations and beyond. It says, back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. And then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. Can I just propose, this is your invitation today. 
This is your invitation. Like, you're, you're meant to flow. The stream's supposed to be flowing out of you. We'll get there in a second. But it's as deep as you want to go. So at first, he's ankle deep, and it says, he measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. This is your invitation. Like, I understand, like, early in my walk, I may not have been screaming out like you're hearing in here today or, or throwing a flag around or whatever it is, the stuff that we see in free worship. But man, I, it intrigued me. It pulled me in to say, wow, this, I don't know if I'll do that, but this place is free. There's freedom in worship. And I understand, like, this is a new experience for some of you. I understand that upper room is different. But I've not yet seen anything that wasn't in the Bible. That's weird. I heard somebody speaking in tongues. Prophesy. Wow, somebody got healed. That's crazy. I haven't yet seen anything here that I've not yet seen in the Bible. And actually, the invitation is that he will do greater signs he, here than he ever did. <laughs> but we're not used to it, so we will ridicule it. But if we see something that's different, it's like, oh. There's an invitation. And maybe you're just ready for the ankles. Maybe you're, you're like, all right, all right, I, I'm digging this. I'll, I'm, I'm. And when I first started, like, deciding I might give myself to Jesus, here were my hands on the seat or the, the pew in front of me. It was like white knuckled. And all of a sudden, I'm like, doing like the man clap, you know, the, then I'm like, now I'm like, I don't care what anybody thinks. Occasionally, you'll see me just laying on the floor, because sometimes this presence is so thick and strong, I can't stand in the midst of it, because I don't care. I don't care what the people think about me at work. I don't care about what the people think about me driving down the road, seeing me go crazy and scream what appears like probably some maniac driving a car. Jesus, I love you! They're probably thinking I'm yelling at my wife on the phone. I'm not. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. This is the river that flows through us, y'all. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea. It, it's named Dead Sea for a reason. But this river is a river of life. This river is a river of refreshing. This river is a river of transformation. And it's not just meant to transform you. It's meant to transform the people around you. It's meant to transform the industry that you're in. It's meant to transform that hospital. It's meant to transform that school. It's meant to transform that business. It's meant to transform the entire nation, the world. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Go to John 7:38. It'll be up on the screen as I just keep moving here. It says this, believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you. 
flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Let me, let me put it to you this way, some of you old King James people. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. There is a river that comes in me and there's a river that wants to flow out of me. And it's, it's meant to flow, it's meant to go. And let me just say this, it's up to God where he makes the banks. <laughs> so we get to the banks. Because let me just say, this isn't just a spectator event. Football season launched for high school, we'll college next week and the NFL the week after that. I love football, love watching football. I love watching CrossFit. I love watching these things, right? The cool thing is, with CrossFit at least, I don't have to be a spectator anymore. I can do my part or do a version of it. Church, you don't have to watch others getting the glory, getting in the river. You actually got, you get to be part of the river. You get to flow in the river. You get to, the river flow through you. Like, this isn't a spectator event. This is an active participation. Oh man, there is an invitation here today. Acts 2, 42. I want to talk about the banks of the river just briefly. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. That's the banks of the river. The banks of the river is this, this discipleship, teaching, the gospel. The, the banks of the river is worship, communion, and prayer. And all of a sudden, when we have that structure... All of a sudden, the river gets to flow where the river wants to flow and where we are placed. But I'm not de-emphasizing the point of those things. I'm actually emphasizing them to get them in us so that they can flow through us. I love this prayer. I love thanking the Lord for what he's doing in me, through me, and around me. I love that prayer. I, and I ask the Lord, Lord, do something in me. Do something through me and continue to do things around me. I want to witness it. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to just see it in here on a Sunday. Oh, man, the stories. The stories that we hear of things happening out there. The impact that we're making in the schools. The impact that we're making in industries. And the impact. And it's not for us to build something here. I got the opportunity to talk at the, the Tip City Rotary about what we were doing in the schools. And as a church, what we're doing in the community. Not a single thing is about me. Not a single thing is, is even about upper room. His ecclesia is just showing his love. His ecclesia is just showing his goodness. His ecclesia is just, just being word and deed. His church is going outside these walls. His people are going outside these walls and actually making an impact because we're in love. We're in love with God. We're in love with the kingdom. We're in love with heaven. And we're in love with people that he created for us, for himself, his pleasure. This isn't us, they're not my people. Let me close with this. Steve Bowen a while preached ago and he says, um, he said this, he says, revival looked like something. The church found favor among all people from Acts 2. It says we need to shift from being come to church to become a go to church. Love looks like something. He was talking about like, it's, it's not this, this realm. Listen, let me just say this. Through the pastoring movement and through that movement, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, Y2K, like there is this season of decades where the church did this and they built this thing because the rapture was happening and we held it all in and we got super, super uh, territorial, um, threatened, 
that if my people would leave or go visit another church or go to this place or do this, we might lose our people and our church may shrink in size and offering. I, there's all these things, right? But really it was focusing on the coming of the Lord, which, which he is coming and it's gonna be beautiful. And we're gonna get to see our King face to face and it's gonna be lovely and I can't wait. It's a little weird, but I told my kids at my funeral, if I die before any of you guys, which I hope to, play Homecoming by Corey Asbury. This is our homecoming. I'm so looking forward to it, right? I can't wait. But I'm loving life that I get to flow as the ecclesia in the river right now. So, but, but here's the thing, like, like we, we get to this, this, this place of like, we, we have to transition out of that shepherding movement where we're only focusing on the rapture and we're not planning for anything and we're not raising up young people in the next generation to influence their generation, culture, spheres of influence. So now we're like, ah, oh, we're panicking because you see what's happening around the world, you see what's happening in culture, you see what's happening in society. It's because we, the church, Ecclesia, became so inwardly focused, we became externally bound. And it was all about us and about his return, which, which man, I love that focus. But I cannot forsake the part where it says, you'll never know the day, the hour, you cannot predict the time. So until his return, I look forward to it, but I am preparing a generation and releasing the river of life in Jesus and the people around me. And let me just say, you're where you are because you need to be there. They need the river that's flowing from you. All right, Matt's songs are just so beautiful that I just want to keep going. I shouldn't have called him up yet. I was like moving right along. Matthew 16, Mark 16, the Great Commission. I promise I'm in my last five minutes. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. I love this. Jesus was doing something at the table. And when they reclined, it meant supper was done. They reclined at the table. They got in a comfortable position now to do life, to talk, to disciple, to commune, to have fellowship. And then here's what Jesus says. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Go, preach. Go, share the gospel. Share the good news. Tell everybody about me. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will what? Recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up to heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. As the Lord was still working in them, they went out, they preached, and they saw all these signs and wonders. Fast forward to Acts 2, Acts 5, Acts 19, it's still what's happening. They were fulfilling the Great Commission. Nothing has changed because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we are supposed to be going, making disciples, going, baptizing people in his name, preaching the gospel with accompanying signs and wonders, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover. That's the transformation of the gospel from last week. That's the transformation of the ecclesia. That, that's who we are. We get to flow like a river. John 13, 35 says this. For when you demonstrate the same love... 
I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Man, we are called to do this. Let, let me just, the great commission comes from the root, root word command. Well, I don't feel comfortable laying hands on the sick. Well, get comfortable because you're supposed to do it. Well, I don't feel comfortable praying for somebody. Well, get comfortable because you're supposed to. I don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel. Well, get comfortable because you're supposed to. Now, it doesn't have to look like this version. It doesn't have to look like what you saw on TV or what that podcast says. Like, like it's your way. Share your story. Simply put, share your story. Man, it, you, you have your own unique sauce. You have your own, your own special way to do this. And you were created for such a time as this. Why don't you stand with me? I promise five minutes, I'm there. In a moment, we're going to ask our prayer team to come up, our, our prayer people, and if the youth want to pray for people, they can. We probably won't stop that. We want to make sure we continue to cultivate the fire that the Lord put in there and allow them that opportunity to fan that flame. But here's the deal. I'm simply, I, I just feel like, let, let, me, let me backtrack. We're going to call the prayer team up. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, Lord, Messiah, we want to introduce you to the greatest relationship on this planet in just a few moments, okay? Not now. We don't want to do that right now. But if you need healing, if you need something, if you need something in a relationship, if you need something in your mind, your body, your will, your emotion, your spirit, we want to pray for you. So we have prayer teams. That's what we do every week. And, and they love praying for people, okay? So that's going to be open here in a moment. I simply want to commission you to go. I simply want to commission you to actually be the ecclesia. I, I want to commission you, and, and, and let, me, let me just go a little deeper on that. There was a moment of time where I was meeting with some of the business leaders. Many of them became part of what we call a senior advisory team here. And there was one, one week that I said, I want to actually commission you guys as pastors. Because, because you, you folks in this room are as influential or more than me. Your, your people reaches more than me. And I'm looked at as this, this person that can preach the gospel and that can get up and speak and pray for people and lay hands on people. But I'm no different than you. So I commission those, those, those industry leaders. I commission those people that, that, that are in different industries and spheres of influence. And I commission them to be pastors wherever they were. And, and I want to do the same thing today. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not taking this line. I'm not just saying this is for every... I'm saying... Like you're the ecclesia and I believe wholeheartedly that we are called to be the church, not just go to a church. I wholeheartedly believe that we are supposed to be carriers of the kingdom and the keys to the kingdom is on this rock we'll build our church, Jesus. And we're supposed to flow, Ezekiel, like there's this invitation to be ankle, knee, waist, all in, right? And as we freely receive, we get to freely give. And I want to commission the real estate agents in this place, the nurses in this place, the paramedics and firefighters in this place, the police officers in this place, the business owners in this place, the moms and the dads in this place, the grandmas and the grandpas. There's no second class anointing. There's no second class anointing. Like you don't have to be some, some leader with all of this influence and, and this, this crazy amount of like people exposure to have this anointing in you to get out, to flow like a river, to touch one life. Jesus rode across an entire sea to cast a demon out of one person. Don't overestimate the power of the one. Don't overestimate the power of, of just, just being a mom.
to call our calling. We recently met with Christy and uh, just spending some time with her. Like, man, where's your heart right now? There was a question asked something like, you know, what, what are you hungry for right now? Like, what's the Lord doing in your life? Kind of, kind of posed that question. And she's like, actually just being a mom, loving my kids, being focused on integrity and character and, and Jesus in those areas. She's like, I can't even like focus on praying for people right now because it's like surviving as a mom, a single mom, having a job. Man, Christy, there is no second class anointing those cute little kids that you have, they are world changers. They are, they are mountain movers. And that is your focus. And that is your anointing. That is your calling right now. Now, as you go, you can pray for other people, but your focus, your main ministry is that. And I bless that right now. I anoint you for that right now. Commission you for that right now. And not to have any guilt. Not to have any shame. Not to be pulled in any other direction, but just to shower your kids with love and his acceptance and his affirmation and his goodness and his reflection through you to them, whatever that looks like and whatever capacity you have each day. Even those moments where you're like, man, I just need like five minutes in the bathroom alone, lock. Not to feel guilty about that. I don't know that life all the way, but I've heard about it. But like, that's the capacity. So folks, wherever you're at, I wanna just commission you. I want to, I like, ordain you as official, transformed ministers of the gospel. I seriously want to do this. Like, I feel like a really heavy call to do this today. And then we'll, we'll ask prayer people to come to pray for specific needs and lead people to Jesus and Christ and salvation and all that. Man, um, will you just put your hands in your belly? If the river's supposed to flow out of your belly, then the river's supposed to get in your belly. So I'm going to pray that, like, you are anointed to preach the gospel. That you are anointed to make disciples. That you are anointed to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That you are anointed to have signs and wonders accompany you. That you are anointed that things that rise up against you won't amount to anything. That you're more than a conqueror. Even those naysayers and those negative words won't come against you. That those lies won't reinvade your mind. That you're not worthy. That you're not good enough that your life doesn't matter, that you're depressed and all these things. Like you are anointed for such a time as this. You're called for such a time as this. You have an anointing and a calling and a commissioning to go. Your shoes, your fancy car, your legs were meant to go. Your voice was meant to go. You are a voice piece. You are a vessel for Jesus. You are the clay. He's the potter and he's formed something amazing in you. He has formed something great upon you, around you and through you. And you're to flow like a river. That, it's supposed to get out of us, y'all. The, we are the ecclesia. So as you, as you put your hands in your bed, I just want to pray for you. Lord, I pray that you, the living waters of you will just totally consume us. Just like we spoke about the fire, you're an all-consuming fire. I pray that, that your water, that your life, that your, that your river just invades us and that we cannot do anything but help overflow with you and flow rivers of living water from our bellies. Oh, man. There is so much life in you guys. Jesus, we thank you. And I commission, I commission, I ordain, I commission, I, Lord, through impartation, there's an anointing here to go make disciples, to fulfill your great commission. Oh, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Say this, say, I am a river. 
I am the ecclesia. I am transformed. And I'm called to transform others. Bless you guys. Have an amazing day. We love you. You are the voice piece. You are the life. You, you are the river for Jesus. Bless you guys. Have an amazing day. The prayer people will be up here if you need prayer for anything specific. We love you.